Welcome to Women with an F-Tub Mind. I'm your host, Ms. J. Marie. And it's not about awareness anymore. It's about doing the damn thing and ruffling as many feathers as you can. And here, we're about sexual assault, sexual harassment, domestic violence, and the lack of mental health help in our military. And we recognize it's a human issue and not just a specific gender. So just be ready for what we've got to say, because it's time to do the damn thing. So we're all about sharing the stories. It doesn't matter your branch, how long ago it was, what it was. Like if you had your time and you want to share your story, that's the beauty of women with an effed up mind. So today we brought on Lauren, who was an army vet. She was a sergeant when she was medically retired. And today she is here to share her story. And part of her story, I unfortunately relate to and discussed my side of it uh, in one of my first episodes. So before we go into details on that, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Of course. So just kind of, we'll just start here. So what did you do in the Army? I was a 68 Charlie, or also known as an LPN, a licensed uh, practical nurse. So I was a nurse at the, um, my first duty station was at the Burn Center in San Antonio. How was that for you? That actually sounds pretty Um, cool. I'm not at a, it was, I cried like every day for the first three months. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> oh, really? It was, yeah, it was intense. Burn patients have such a high acuity that we don't really get training for burns in the Charlie program. So it was like literally getting thrown into the fire and nurses truly eat their young. <laughs> like it was intense. Goodness. Yeah. So, you know, starting, I mean, we can dive right into this or you can tell a little backstory, however you please. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, well, I enlisted with a bachelor's. I was a journalism. I graduated with a BS in journalism in 2013 and I worked in digital marketing. And then I was like, I hate this and I'm burnt out and I want to be a nurse And I had like these adoptive grandparents. He was a retired first sergeant and she was a retired major. And they were in their 60s and they were like, you need to be an army nurse. Like, I know we know you want to be a nurse. Don't pull out any student loans. Join the army. And I said, well, I just I can't be an officer. Like I was like, I can't hand. How can I be a lieutenant? and handle a platoon of soldiers when I don't even know how to be a soldier. Mm -hmm. So when I found out that you could be a nurse and go the enlisted route, I was like, I want this job. And I went to MEPS and I was like, I'm not joining until I get this job. And of course they acted like they had to call Fort Knox five times, but I got that damn job. And so I joined, I got on a plane, sold everything. I mean, when I mean everything, I sold everything. My car, like 85% of my possessions. And oh, I, I like, did the same exact it. thing. So I know where yeah, you're coming and, from. <laughs> and I was 25. So I was Oh, you're a late you know, joiner too. Yeah. And I enlisted with a bachelor's. Everybody said it was insane, but I wouldn't, you know, anyways, it is what it is. But so I went to Fort Sill in March. It was the coldest, March, 2017. It was the coldest. I'd ever been. We graduated on the Army's birthday on June 14th, and it was the hottest damn day of, oh my God, it was like (laughs) how we went from cold to hot. And then we all got on a bus, drove to Texas, the air condition broke on the way. So we're like about to have heat cats in our class A's, like people stripping out of their dress blues on the bus, like we're about to die. So 
I didn't really experience any sexual harassment. I didn't see any funny business in at basic training. I was, um, yeah. But when I got to uh, Fort Sam, our student first sergeant tore her ACL. And so you saw this athlete just crumble and that she actually had a couple guys like attack her in a stairwell and rape her. So that was, yeah, yeah. Just to see like a stellar soldier top of, you know, her class, like student first sergeant, you know, it, it was just, so I was like, holy shit, like, this is real. This threat against women in the military is real. And so graduated from phase one, went to phase two at Walter Reed, and then shit really got real for me. I was so before I just I'm curious because yeah, I go ahead. shit about the army. What okay. is like why do you guys do like do you guys do so what is like phase one and phase two? Is it just like different schoolings? Is it MOS yeah. specific? Yeah, definitely MOS specific. So depending on what your MOS um it could be 13 weeks. It could be ours, Charlie is one of the longest um AITs there is. It's 52 weeks. So it's a whole year of nursing school. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, and I, I went to college. It was like nursing school plus basic training. It was just. That's crazy. It, I'm, yeah. Yeah. It was. And actually Walter Reed was pretty lax compared to the other phase sites, but it was intense. And I was class leader. So that was so much fun. That's like the equivalent of being a platoon sergeant. <laughs> um, yeah and you know like I just really wanted to mind my own business and you know you get voluntold to do things and I was like damn I'm just here to like pass these exams and get my like nursing <laughs> so now I'm like liaison between the student soldiers and the leadership and then are the, my first sergeant you know start stalking me like at the gym like I'd be on the bicycle and I would just feel this presence beside me and it would be him. And, you know, I would be on the leg press and I would just, he would just come up to me and like in front of everybody, the gym at Walter Reed is not big. And I knew I had heard other junior soldiers who had slept with him, who kind of got a thrill off. Oh, I slept with first sergeant, you know, that kind of thing. And so I definitely knew that was going on. But I can look at the compassion as, like, you see him as a predator, like, praying. Like, junior soldiers are typically, what, between the 18 to 22, his, mm-hmm. like, historically. So, you know, they your their brains haven't finished developing. And then he had been in the Army over 20 years. I mean, he was a grown man. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he would tell these soldiers exactly what they needed to hear. You know, he would make phone calls. Oh, you want to go to Hawaii next? Done. You know what I mean? Like, everybody ate out of his hand and you know there was multiple times where he was like I want to follow you back to your barracks and I was you know just and I was just like he would say that to you dead ass like (gasps) in the gym yeah and then we had it was a huge deal um for us students to go to the dining in um with the permanent party so would they all you know we all dressed up um and that's a big deal for us army girls. Or I, for me, it was because when I was in, you could you could only wear earrings with your dress uniform, and now you can do it with your OCPs. I'm so jealous, girl. But I'm like, in the Marine Corps, we can barely even wear eyeliner. Like, I know. I'm watching all I these know. branches have pony, the Navy like their hair down, so white nail right. polish, like earrings, and I'm just like, I cut my hair. Like I used to have really long hair, and I would do it in mm-hmm. the soft bun. 
but it was like I'm so over this and cut all my hair off because right. I was just I was just over it oh my god yeah so many girls <laughs> I, I know it's hard so we get all dressed up and they bus us to Andrews Air Force Base like um uh, you know right down the road and I get on the bus and my friend is really silent and she's like doesn't talk to me and he 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 made advances that night. He was like, "You look really good tonight," you know, just like really buttering me up. And he was drunk as a skunk. Um, that whole night was just disgusting. Like, just uh, I just uh, it was so toxic. So like, wait, uh, you guys were like a shindig with the command? I'm just cu- I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it was a huge deal for our students, and we couldn't drink alcohol, even though we were legal of age. No AIT students could drink. So we were watching everybody in the company get fucked up. Like everybody, you know, sending people to the grog. You know, I don't know if you know, like grog, like they just pour in a bunch of liquor and like pickle juice and hot sauce. And, you know, just it's it's like total army. It's like hazing. Like anybody who's listening to this and you've been to a dining in, you know, you're going to see your freaking command sergeant major and the general like get fucked up or like it won't be a general it'll be a colonel but you know like there were but because it was Walter Reed there was a one star there and the colonel that was in charge and you know it's just all of these things just in being at Walter Reed it was such a common sight to see generals everywhere just because you know we're right there in DC like Trump would fly in. I remember I was super pissed because the Marine One dropped down and I had like Trader Joe's groceries and I was like, what the hell? It's like melting and you need to go get your <laughs> blood pressure checked. Like, I hate this shit. Uh, Trump would shut down the whole base. And <laughs> so anyways, yes, back to Andrews Air Force Base. Yes, he made advances and was just sweet talking me and he was so drunk. And In front I knew- of people? Oh, totally, girl. Everybody was drunk. Everybody was lit. I mean, it was, yeah, totally. And so I knew that this specific friend, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable telling her story, but I just know that they had a certain relation. They weren't doing anything, but he just, he, what he, how he preyed on her was not fucking cool. So he texted her and said, this didn't come out until like two weeks later. And she said, remember how I was like really pissed at you on the bus that night? And I was like, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't talk to me the whole fucking ride back to the barracks. And she was like, he texted me and said he wanted you. And I was like, and she showed me the text message. So you're a first sergeant. He texted, he texted a private, a PFC. I want your friend. And I'm another special. I'm a, and he is our first sergeant. He is the first sergeant over the students, over the HHC AIT company. And the Walter Reed permanent party of Army is like a handful because it's a Navy installation. And it's a small installation of that. So everybody knows everybody. Well, my best friend, it was me and two other guys and uh, three guys. One, two were nurses and one was a, um, uh, shit, what is it called? X-ray tech. And we were thick as thieves. They were like my little brothers. And we would go hiking every weekend. And Cole had heard me, my story, and a, a bunch of other students were getting harassed. So being the good damn soldier that he is, bystander reported it. The <laughs> sharper up that he reported it to said, you sure you want to do this? He said, why? He said, because you know he's going to find out. Oh so, God. so 
So leadership is the predator. And then the very people who are supposed to be sharp advocates are covering his ass. Oh, that's, so we know, that is so common. It's, it's insane because like, oh, totally a lot of the common. Teams, totally. Well, and it's even worse is that when Congress brings it up within one of their subcommittee meetings that they know that people that usually get into those positions are voluntold because they just stick whoever. Like, I know there was one girl that I had spoken to and a guy that raped her friend ended up being a sapper person. Mm. like he was he was whatever the rep thing yeah he was a sapper rep and he raped her and <sighs> got nothing for it of but. course because i'm sure he knew every loophole in the book oh yeah and that and that's the thing so of course everybody was like i said eating out of his hand so we never said anything and you want to know how he became not a problem for us anymore the whole reason that it the problem went away, and this makes me sick to my stomach, is because he got sent to command sergeant major school in at, um, Fort Bliss. Oh, so we got sergeant a new first Jesus. sergeant. So, so the only reason the predator left the building is because he went to promotion school. And I don't know what he did at Fort Seal, but I know he passed because he didn't get popped until April of 2020 in um, Fort Stewart in Georgia. And now he ha- he's in jail. Nobody knows the story. You know, militarydope.com reported on it that he got demoted from a command sergeant major to E4, which makes me feel great because I could tell his ass to stand up for regress. Apparently he's, in, apparently he's in jail, but you can't find a damn thing about it. You can't find a damn news article about it. Not, I mean, and maybe you can now, but... I'm just like, they're really trying to keep this shit hush-hush. And the thing is, is how many victims was it? If if I met him when he was a first sergeant in over 20 years, then he went to another duty station, isn't command, I don't know how long command sergeant major school is. Uh, I, I want to say it's a minute. Like, I don't, I want to say it's longer than a year. I don't know. I don't, I don't know the specifics, but still that. And, and you want to know something crazy? I knew girls that were stationed there. And I wanted, and I felt like I wanted to be like, watch out for this dude. Because he, he was a good looking guy. He was a good looking man. And he was a smooth talker. And that's exactly what women want. You know, if you're a vulnerable person, they pick you out, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was just anyways, that, I mean, that just came out last month. He just, I mean, he got arrested in 2021. I said 2020 earlier. It was so, I mean, I had to leave work. Who, I, I told my you, boss. Do you, what was his name? Um, God, oh my God. Why am I blanking on his name? It is, I, this is how much my, my. Cause I feel like I saw something about how a Sergeant Major got dug down like to an E4, but I mean, that's. Is so common nowadays that it's why not- I don't know why I'm blinking. I can find it on Dope Military. I'm scrolling their Instagram right now. Um, why am I why am I blinking on his name? Here we go. Got it right here. Quincy Martin. So so first Sergeant Martin, but the Command Sergeant Major of Wynn Army Community Hospital on Fort Stewart. Quincy Martin was demoted to the rank of Specialist E4 and is currently in confinement. Martin was found guilty to be in violation of 10 articles under the UCMJ. He was convicted of numerous offenses, rape being one of many. 
and he was the trial was on April 6th, 2021 at 0900. So nobody knows. That's insane. Like you said, though, it's so hush hush. That shit's been going on, especially since he's been in for so long. Yeah. And then being the rank that he is. So who knows how he was? You know, it's it's another thing. You you were talking about being the leader of like the students, being the liaison between Mm -hmm. the students and him. I went Mm -hmm. through literally the same exact fucking thing with my platoon sergeant in the schoolhouse. And I talked, I think it was like Mm -hmm. my third, second or third episode I talked about is he literally would stalk me. He would stalk me at the gym, at the PX, at the grocery store, Mm -hmm. and everybody saw it. At first I thought I was And nobody did a damn thing. Nope. And I, I literally thought that, okay, well, it's a small, you know, a little sub, small area because we were on, I can't say because it'll give it away, but uh, we were not on a big base. So mm-hmm. that's like, maybe I was just being paranoid. And then he would always text mm-hmm. me and tell me to come to his office all the time. And then one night on a Sunday night while I was quarantined, let himself in my room with a master key at 10 o'clock at night on a Sunday. I am alone mm-hmm. by myself in a hallway by myself. And he literally made up. So... When I kicked him out, and my buddies were quarantined, like, two halls down, and mm-hmm. he th- he knew that I went and told them. So, he made this big, elaborate fucking story to make to say that I was going to get NJP'd, I was getting in trouble for fraternization, because they were mm-hmm. higher ranks at the time. Because he mm-hmm. was scared, which I later found out when I hit the fleet, that he was scared that I was going to tell on him for letting himself in my room, so he secluded me from everybody that's a typical abuser and a narcissistic trait they isolate you so you can't reach for help and me being like the dumb new boot like i didn't know any but i didn't know what the fuck was going on like i legit thought i was gonna get in trouble because again i'm still a student and thinking i'm actually gonna get njp before i even hit my first unit like i hate that i now that i look back at it i'm like what the fuck Mm-hmm. I do too. I look back at that um, when it came out because I didn't get the the word until whenever I can't remember whenever that was posted. I believe May. I was I had just left the VA and and I had just gone to therapy and so I was already raw and emotional and I hate going to the VA and it's so triggering. And one of my my best friend in nursing school sent me that on Instagram and I like pulled over was hyperventilating. Because the amounts of guilt, I mean, it's, I don't think people realize you don't have to experience war to experience survivor's guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, I survived my military sexual trauma. Vanessa didn't. And every single other person who was murdered by their abuser didn't. You know, I got out of those barracks alive. So many didn't. And it sounds so dramatic because it's if you're on the U.S. soil, you're in a military base. It should be safe, and it's not. And it's just it's intense. And I just was like, you know, if we would have actually did the right thing, if he wouldn't have silenced us as students, we could have prevented so much. And it was just it was so overwhelming. And I still work through that guilt and shame. It's it's just a lot, you know. Oh, absolutely no. Yeah. I- <laughs> Unfortunately, I understand more than you think. And 
apparently, so with that guy that I was just talking about, he was one of many. Um, and turns out that he, he was best friends to one of my sergeants in the fleet. Mm-hmm. And he told that sergeant, like, all kinds of bullshit that I was doing this, doing that. And it wasn't true. And that sergeant ended up sexually harassing me all the fucking time here. And sure. the shitty part was is that I told people on my command and they still made us work hand in hand with each other. Right. And but I never hey, reported hey. because I got told like I said something to medical because I had friends in medical. They're like, We're mm-hmm. ready to burn them, but you have to have the proof. And I'm like It's it's so crazy. It that just pisses me off so much. And Okay, so that happened. So he leaves command sergeant major school. And actually, it was sickening. When they did the change of command, he's, like, on the the podium. And he's, like, I, I want, you know, I want to thank my wife and my children. And I'm, like, but he slept with that junior soldier. And he slept with that junior soldier. And he slept with that. And it was just sickening. Mm-hmm. Because his wife and his children deserve more than that. And that is the unfortunate legacy that he left with them. And I don't think people realize that when you do these things, you don't just affect the person that you hurt. Like you're, you're hurting so many people involved. So that was just, I mean, it was so much, but thank God our next first surgeon, she was a woman and she was badass. And I remember seeing her in the locker room at the Walter Reed gym and just being like, thank you. Thank you for being a good leader. And thank you for doing what you're supposed to do. And I know she was a little bit confused. But I just felt like I needed to tell her that. Like, oh, my God, thank you for not harassing the very students you swore to protect. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's not that hard to do your fucking job. So when I got switched, when I switched billets, I was the same way. I ended up getting a female gunny. And I literally, I think I was with her for three weeks. And I just looked at her and I just, I did the same thing. I was like, thank you. Thank you for giving right. a shit about us. And just right. because she would just randomly check in with us. Like, hey, you doing okay? You need like yeah. everything's fine. And I'm just like, I wasn't used to that because my old command, holy fuck, I could go on for days, but I'll save that for another day. It's just, right. oh, it's so, yeah, no, I, I literally just did that like two months ago to my old command. I love that. Man. Well, I'm really glad that you have leadership like that now. You deserve that. Well, okay, the unfortunate so, part is that she oh, left this week. <laughs> oh, I just did an be, episode like, actually hmm. last week about bitching about my new old boss. Like he was my boss that caused me a lot of problems. And then they moved him back right where I'm at. And I'm like, great. Okay, here we go. Anyways, continue. <laughs> yeah, I honestly thought, yeah, you have so much patience. So I graduated in September of 2018, and then I got sent to ISR, the burn center, and went back to Fort Sam. And it was really rough. I mean, I was in PACU, um, which is like post-surgery. And, you know, I never got to experience the ICU, like, intensely, like my peers and I, or the step-down unit. I never worked um, there either. But I just saw so much and in such a short time. And it was, it was so much like, honestly, burn nurses. I don't like it. It was 
I would never go into burn nursing again. It was insane. It was overwhelming and I couldn't handle it. And there are people who can't handle it. And I was definitely one of them. And so I just quit sleeping. I think I just like literally got burned out at the burn center. And, you know, I just thought it was a part of, um, you know, being a new nurse and being in the burn center. And I was like, okay, this is just the way it is. And I hit like a glass ceiling in like March of 2019. And I like went to the doctor and I was like, I need sleep meds. Like I'm not sleeping. Like melatonin's not working. And he was like, I'm not going to give you sleep meds. You have a BH problem. And I was like, I'm not going to fucking BH. You need to give me fucking sleep meds so I can go to sleep. And he was like, no, we're going to order your sleep test. And I was like, okay, great. So I did my sleep study. It just came back that I had a room sleep disorder. And they were like, you need to go to therapy. So they, I started seeing this social worker and I had, and I had had multiple injuries by this point. We haven't talked about this, but I fractured my pelvis in AIT. Like there, there were so many, so much drama, like sexual harassment wise with co-current physical injuries that like I was pushing through so much hip and back pain and like just pretty much ran myself into the ground. So I was having mental injuries and physical injuries. So my med board started and I got diagnosed with type one bipolar disorder in the summer of 2019. And they were like, we can keep this hush hush or you can get out. And I was like, I just want to get out. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to get a total hip replacement by the time I'm 30. Like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm in so much pain. My mental health is trash. And so that's what I did. And I met another soldier in my therapy group and he wanted to date and I didn't want to date and that didn't go well. And he lived one floor above me in my barracks room and he assaulted me in my barracks room and continued to threaten to kill me. And I had to live below him for like the next four months with that until I left Texas. Did and I reported were, it. You did? So did they yeah. just say, fuck no, it, you're getting th- out? This is another reason why I'm so loud about um, military sexual assault, because I had the best leadership in the world in San Antonio. My So before I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I was a rock star soldier. I was an E4, and I hadn't been promoted yet. I was an E4 in an E6 position. I was the NCOIC of the education department. I was in the process of applying to medical school. I had, you know, it was my OIC for the education department was also our our company's main sharp um, rep. So I went to her and she knew my med board was starting. So they kind of just, you know, let me go to my therapy, do what I needed to do, go to my appointments and stuff. Because, you know, starting a med board is just not fun. So I literally, I watched my entire army career go up in flames because she was like, we can keep this hush hush. And I was like, I am hurting so much physically and emotionally. Like I will give everything up. Like I just, I can't do this anymore. And I guess people will say, you know, you mentally cracked, but I don't really care. It was, it was killing me. And then the assault just was like kerosene on a fire. No, and then, you, you know, know, the crazy part is, is how much I relate to that because yeah, I, you know, going through the med board process right now, I like, I could have uh. waited six more months where I was like, all right, let's, I'm not going to heal. Let's go through the med board, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. I was just so mentally, like I was 
because the job that I had, like I was, I physically was hurting. I'm like, why am I breaking Mm -hmm. myself for people that don't give two flying fucks mentally? I can't fucking do anything. Like I'm, I'm done. Like, this is not, this is not okay. And there's nothing I can do about it unless I get the fuck out. So I literally was like, fuck it. Fuck doing another phase. Just push my med board out because it's going to take forever anyways. And I just, I mentally, because it was like my lifelong goal to fucking be a Marine. And it is just, it fucking sucks. So I can relate to you on that one, girl. Well, it's grief. You're grieving a career that has to die. And it's, it's intense. And it, and it was, and, and I had people tell me, because I said, hey, you know, they're, I know she's going to diagnose me with this. Like, this is coming. And they were like, if you want to be a doctor in the army, you stay the hell away from BH. And I was like, I can't suffer like this, y'all. Like, I can't, I, I can't be the soldier that shuts the fuck up and dies a slow, miserable death because I didn't go to BH. And there are so many people that are doing that. And I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, dude. I couldn't do it. And so, and then, you know, with him, just, I just thought my life was, I was on the edge. I mean, there's a guy threatening to kill me who lived one floor above me in my own barracks own base. And I reported it. I did the undercover one because I knew that if I went through a trial with that guy, the med board was going to last even longer. And I'm glad I didn't because my terminal leave started February 2020. And I got the hell out of Texas before that pandemic hit. And I retired on April 13th, 2020. And I was at my parents' house on lockdown. And I was like, I, you know, if I would have really made a show. And the crazy thing is he was med boarding too. He was medically retired. He would have lost all his benefits. He would have lost everything. I had, I had a recorded confession on my iPhone notes, like a good journalist. I still have it to this day in my email, and I hope he hears this. I still have that confession to this day. Because I recorded it. Because I, I had a conversation in my barracks room, and I said, I'm going to get him to say this on, co- on recording. And I did. And I said, what you did was wrong. And I, and I made him say it. I made him say it out loud. And he did. And I was very grateful. Captain Thomas, she did everything she was supposed to do as a sharp rep. She said, you give me the call and we will do it unrestricted. And so I did say that right. I always used to get them mixed up, restricted versus unrestricted. Mm-hmm. Restricted is where is where nobody knows but the sharp rep. Unrestricted is where command knows. Yes. And 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 see, you know, another reason why I kept it restricted, I trusted Captain Thomas, like with everything. And I trusted my commander, but because of what happened at Walter Reed, I didn't want anybody in command to know. Oh, I don't blame you. Because yeah. <laughs> I saw that the very command was the assailant. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was too much. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to make this mud board last any longer. Get me the hell out of here. I will figure out what to do when I get out of the army. But this is not for me anymore. And it was hard because I had big dreams, big, big dreams. I mean, I wanted to go back to Walter Reed and, you know, if that wasn't going to work out, I was going to apply to the PA program and then I, or I was going to apply to nursing. Like I wasn't going to take no for an answer. I was going to commission. And there was no way I know I was going to pass an officer board with that. I think a big part of that also has to do with like 
I know there's people that are older that are like don't have a lick of sense of life but like being having the life experience and the age it's like you see the bullshit a lot yeah. sooner than if you went in right. at 18 and 19 like when As I think kid. about that if I went in when I was 18 and dealt with ideal like the shit I've dealt with now holy fuck I don't know yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'd have been what would the fuck would happen because and you want to know something even crazier I was sober the whole time. Dead ass. A hundred and ten percent straight edge sober. I never did drugs. I didn't I didn't start drinking until I got assaulted. When I got assaulted, I started drinking. I was sober for almost four years when I started drinking again. And everybody would go out and party during AIT and they would, you know, blow their fucking pitiful enlisted checks at the bars in DC. And D- drinking in DC is not cheap. Oh no, and it is I- not. <laughs> And I was the nerdy older girl sitting at the USO on a Friday and Saturday night in my nursing <laughs> textbooks. I'm not even playing, girl. No, I, I just already, relate. That's why I'm and laughing. Because I, I had already been to college. I had already got that out of my system. And I was like, uh-uh, I'm graduating with honors. And I did. I graduated with two awards and honors. I was not playing around. And that's just what people don't understand. So, no, alcohol was not involved in either of my assault cases, not one bit. And, no, I was not on drugs. No, I was not wearing a promiscuous outfit. I was wearing PT shorts. That's the most unsexy thing I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) And I was not a bullshit piece of shit soldier. I was top of the line. You can call any of my leadership right now. So, I'm just saying, I mean, it, it doesn't matter who you are. Military sexual trauma does not discriminate. Nope. Doesn't matter your gender, your race, anything. Right. It does not matter what you identify as or what you... You can right. be in a damn bomb suit. And if they right. want to do it, they're going to do it. It's true. It's so true. It's so true. It's so fucking sad, too. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I recently... I think you were the one who posted it, and it just said that women are most and I know this isn't just a women issue this is you know it doesn't matter what you identify but it, it this was statistically particular to women um that we're most more likely to be killed on U.S. soil by another service member than in a line of fire in another foreign country Absolutely. And, that, and just to see that statistic I'm like see I'm not playing y'all I'm not this is not do you think I'm playing do you think I'm I want the attention to make this up like this is not a game to me. Like I lost my career. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. This is that's right. <laughs> I'm like I'm just ready to at this point. I'm just so checked out that I, like mentally that I'm ready to get out so that I can fucking yeah. make so much more noise. Because once I can go public about what I do, right. yeah, I know I like, mm-hmm. go public right now. But Jay Marie and it's then different. Who I, it's different. Yeah, like <laughs> there's two of me. So there's the actual me and then there's Jay Marie. I mean, Jay Marie's me, but for now, that's just the alias that I've got. Um, right. But it's just, uh, it's so fucking sad. So curiosity to pick your brain yeah. a little bit. Yeah, ask me any questions. That was my timeline. That was it. <laughs> um, so you were talking, you mentioned, you said a comment earlier that the command was the issue. So right now mm-hmm. the big push is with sexual assault that it is taken completely out of the command's hands. Right. Do you As believe, sh- I mean, do you really believe that it should be 100% taken out of the command's hands when there's really no sex yes. plan? Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, it's like how who's going to take a charge of it if the command doesn't? Is that what you're asking? So, I, first question really is like, should we completely take it out of the command's hands? I honestly, I think so. I think so. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. Um, but from what I've read and from what I've experienced, obviously having command and control is not conducive and it's not working. So maybe they don't need to be completely out of the situation, but a third party has to come in. And if we know that sappers, sharp wrecks, and first sergeants are assailants, then what is really, then we're already downstream. We're downstream. What is upstream? You know, does that mean we have more psychological evaluations of these people coming in? We, we, you know, do more bystander. It's just, it's so complex. It's like, what, what really needs to be done? You know, I think that all over. And I I think that's a good, (laughs) uh, no, you're good. Uh, But no, I think that's a good point. Cause like my theory on it is, is that, like you said, not a hundred percent taken out of that command's hands, but that third party essentially, it's like, this is my theory on it. Most leadership, especially super higher ups, it's only a good idea if they think it's their idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, it's still a good old boys club. Exactly. So my theory on it isn't something that I really push is that, okay, well, they can be in quotation marks in control, but mm-hmm. that third party is essentially that has the legal background, does the actual investigation, does like lead, takes the leading charge on that. And they're like, okay. This is your evidence. This is what I recommend you do. This is what Mm -hmm. you really should do. Now, from Mm -hmm. there, they have the final decision. Yes. If they don't follow that procedural, you know, recommendation, anything from the, the, we'll we'll call them the smart people, (laughs) the educated people, (laughs) um, that they are the one, like, if they don't follow that or really go with that, then repercussions be set in stone because that's essentially what, happens now so like domestic violence for example i know we're talking about sexual assault but for domestic violence for example mm-hmm. they don't have to consult with even an sja or even a prosecutor they don't have to consult with any legal is it recommended yes but it is mm-hmm. not required by policy to have to consult with anybody at all which is crazy to charges yes it's crazy they literally can just willy-nilly say nah, they're a good marine sailor soldier whatever it's true he's a pt stud he has a 300 on his pt score he's what a damn that? Ugh, i'm like oh my shield. god <laughs> that should I don't not care. be exactly that that should not be a, a shield of armor excuse mm-hmm. me that they don't get held accountable like that's right. my big that's my like number one word is fucking accountability because we preach it mm-hmm. not just within mm-hmm. the Marine Corps but the entire military. And then they think, well, right. he's a PT stood or he's educated, he leads Marines. Yeah. Okay, well, guess right. what? That should be even more accountability. Like you're supposed to be a good role model. Here you are mm-hmm. being a rapist or an abuser. Right, right. So why are we, why mm-hmm. is this it's so ass backwards and it oh my god, I could go on a full on rant page for days. Yeah. What's crazy to me is that uh, this is kind of like out of left field. This is completely what we weren't talking about. But <laughs> it say and if somebody was deployed and they got sexually assaulted overseas, 
they could necessarily not get extra pay for combat PTSD, but they would definitely not get extra pay for sexual assault PTSD. You don't get extra pay for sexual assault, but you get extra pay for combat PTSD. So you have these guys who, or, or women, or, or these assailants, let's just call them assailants. Look, let's just not all make it all about guys. So you have these assailants who potentially could have raped somebody overseas and they're getting extra pay, you know? And, and like, when you think about things like this, it's like we glorify these combat heroes and we put them on pedestals and then it comes out, oh, he, he's got a purple heart, but at the end of the day, he's a rapist. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it just, I know this is like over, but it really pisses me off. Like when I see how these people who are struggling with PTSD from military sexual assault and they're alienated, no one takes them seriously. I had a major look at me in a therapy group and said, why do they put the rape victims in here with us combat guys? A major oh said God. that to me. Oh, a no. major, honey, I'm telling you. So my life mission is to, Hey, this is real. This is real, y'all. This PTSD is just as valid as seeing mm-hmm. someone get blown up in an IED. We don't compare trauma here. We don't. So I'm just saying, like, even it comes to, like, you know, being, I, I hate that I'm going back to women, but the women who are military sexual trauma survivors are 40% more likely to be homeless than any other veteran population. Mm-hmm. And so it is so important for these people, for, for the victims to have this documented so they can get the therapy and the benefits that they deserve. And then they don't, and they get out and they have poor mental health and they don't have access to their benefits because they never documented this, this sexual trauma because they were scared or silenced. And so this is just, it's such, so terrible to me to see people struggling because they never talk about it. You know, I met a veteran today today this is not a coincidence I was thrift shopping she works at a thrift store and she she got raped in the 80s and she said I just came out about it five years ago to my husband she got raped in the 80s holy shit you know you know she deserves compensation for that she said yeah one of her drill sergeants raped her and of course she's not saying anything in the 80s she had no idea I was coming on this podcast by the way she just I showed her my military ID and that because they I love the store store. They have like the best stuff. And I get a military discount there. And she was like, I served in the army too. And I was like, Yeah. And she said, I had a horrible experience. I said, Yeah, me too. She said, I got raped by my drill sergeant. A random stranger told me that. And she had just came, you know, it was just like divine. It was like, this is why I'm so loud about this, y'all. This is not a joke. hmm Absolutely. I mean, that's why we started this. It's like to give people that that safe place where they can finally be like, you know what, I need that stepping stone. And it also helps, you know, being on the podcast, like, it's hard to tell somebody face to face. But if we're sitting mm-hmm. here on the phone talking like just a normal because that's how I treat this. I mean, you notice, it's just like a phone call talking to a friend. And then my phone just happens to be recording our conversation. So right. it's just like, that's like that that's a huge thing that I push is that to have that opportunity to be open and because it does it takes a fucking lot to talk about whether it is sexual assault sexual harassment or domestic violence or even you know being ostracized for your mental health and i went went live today because i'm just i'm so fucking frustrated anymore it's stupid yeah i i mean i don't know how you're being i don't know how anyone's active duty during this pandemic i don't i never was in the military during covid and it's already stressful and then y'all are like 
I don't know. You're already so limited to be a human, and then I can't. Uh, I just don't know how y'all are doing it. Oh, it's it's stupid. Shit. So this is like the time. This is I've been saying this. Like right now is the time that we should really be focusing on the our you know our service members' mental health and taking care of them during the peace yeah. time. Because if shit pops off, I'm telling you right now, if shit was to pop off tomorrow. <laughs> We have such a weak fighting force right now, not only because you got the pandemic going, but then you've got people that just don't fucking take care of their service members and remember at the end of the day that they're human underneath that uniform and life doesn't Mm -hmm. fucking stop with its bullshit just because you wear a uniform. It's true. And that's one thing I don't understand. And then I've got leaders that sit here and preach, oh, well, at the end of the day, don't forget about who's on your left and your right because you're human underneath this uniform. And don't even fucking preach it. Or don't even fucking practice it because, right. oh, my God, that's, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I feel like, and I'm excited to see this journey unfold for you because I didn't realize that you were still active duty and I can't imagine. And it's frustrating. And, you know, I never, I mean, I've never had the opportunity to talk about my story on a platform But I know that when I started to even talk about it to my therapist and my friends and my family after I got out, it just, it hits different. Mm -hmm. It hits different after you get that DD-214, baby. Let me tell you. That's why I'm like, just, I need to get out so I can scream even louder than I already am. Oh, I'm excited to see that unfold for you, and it will. When is when is your estimated? I mean, I know med boards are like traumatizing in themselves. Yeah, December. Mm, so close. Yeah, so close. It's so far away. <laughs> At least you'll start a new year as a civilian. Hopefully, COVID will die down or something. Probably some other bullshit. <laughs> I can't imagine. I would have gotten stuck. I actually had a friend who was like two or three months behind me in his med board. And so he got stuck. And I mean, he was going to, he stayed in San Antonio for a bit, but. Oh, my boyfriend was on the med board for a year and a half or a year and a month because med board started right as COVID hit. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's. That's terrifying. People just don't realize, like, I if you've never went through a med board or if you're a civilian listening to this, you just don't realize how extensive you have to go to 80 appointments. And if you miss them, mm-hmm. you're fucked. And, like, it's it's so it's so extenuous. Oh, my God. There's so much imaging you have to do. It's therapy. It's so much. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's a good note for us to kind of wrap it yeah. up and – if there's one piece of advice that you could give our listeners, especially since you're one of the ones that likes to ruffle mm-hmm. as many feathers as you can, yeah. what would you tell for somebody that, you know, either experienced like you did or what you saw that girl go through for a victim mm-hmm. survivor? What would you tell them? Like, what piece of advice would you give them? Find a safe space to disclose your story. Because as much as we don't want to tell it, there's so much healing. And if you're active duty and you're listening to this, I hope and pray that you find someone that you can trust to disclose. Like, because I was so blessed in my, in that, at Fort Sam to have someone who actually listened to me. And that's not always the case. That's a rarity. But if you are a survivor and you're already out, I would say get community, get a good therapist. 
continue because I, I was like man it hits you in waves it'll hit you like you'll be good for two weeks and then shit it'll you know something will resurface mm-hmm. like just stay in recovery even when you feel good stay in recovery um just in case the storm comes back because when he got arrested I pretty much spiraled and I hadn't thought about that in years it had been three years and so I'm just saying like something you know you never know when that PTSD is going to fuck with you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. second that one. That is for sure. Well, mm-hmm. Lauren, thank you for, you know, reaching out and coming on here to talk about your story and, you know, yes. just come and bullshit with me a little bit, even about the med board. <laughs> <laughs> it was an honor and honor and honor and a, truly a blessing to, to share my story for you to share your platform with me. I'll just I'm very grateful yes ma'am well on that note I'm Jay Marie and I got so back women with an f up mind is not DOD affiliated or any branch of service we are not endorsed by any of them even the ones that we serve in we're just about stating our opinions talking about the experiences and just how stating public records So I just wanted to make that clear because all we're about is making people uncomfortable, ruffling as many feathers as we can, and you know, doing the damn thing.